Bullshit Raider fan himself. I'm still salty over the last two weeks. Walter Lukashensky over there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Before I toss it to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code football for 20% off that first order as well as free shipping. Wally, it's been a crazy two weeks. We had March Madness. We had free agency happening. We had trades happening. How's the bracket looking and how are you? The stash is looking phenomenal. Well, first of all, talking about the bracket, mine was dead the first night. I had Kentucky winning it all. So St. Peter's, I was the first casualty of the St. Peter's run. But beyond that, no, I mean, you guys know about pigskins and nylon, no free ads, I get it. But the Big Ten. Do you get it? Because you keep bringing it up. The national embarrassment, I had to bring it up because, I mean, I have to. It, talk about it. It makes me sick to my stomach, actually, but nothing a nice Seagram's going to be able to handle. You're gross, you. dude. I, we're, we've been on this forever, but candid oh. and dry, people that like Seagram's more, I mean, you guys need to be on a watch list. But beyond that, no, yeah, I, I was pretty fired up, obviously, about the Devontae Adams trade. I know we'll talk about that briefly. Beyond that, dude, trades have been happening more. This has been the best offseason ever. Talk about jam-packed. You cannot go 12 hours without big news coming out of it. How many draft picks have been traded this year? It's it's been insane. So many, so many Pro Bowl, All Pro caliber players just getting tossed aside. You know, Miami's sending about half their draft stock here just to get Tyreek Hill. We obviously know about Devontae Adams getting sent over, and we'll cover everything else here. Now, with all that free agency and the offseason that is going on, the craziness. Meanwhile, we do have a fun announcement. If you guys already follow the social media platforms, you already do know this. The YouTube page for Loss of Down is live. Mr. Wally over here, all of a sudden he's the video guy. He's the video expert. Hardly. I, did you watch? <laughs> did you just recently watch Pam and Tommy and saw Seth Rogen and just Nick Offerman playing those roles and obviously combine the two of them together to look like this? And now you're just creating videos for the web. See, I've been getting told for a while now. I've got the Ron Jeremy look, which isn't ideal. Um, but hey, no, you know what? Someone's got to do not. it. Hey, sex selling, baby. What is it selling? I don't think it's selling much here. And somebody's got to do it. Ron Jeremy's already doing it. Don't t- don't make it seem like you're doing us a favor for lo- by looking like Ron Jeremy. See, I'm the good Ron Jeremy, though. I'm not in prison for all the terrible stuff he's done. So that's what I'm trying to spin zone. This is going to be a good look now. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> Anyways, what I will say you're about gross. that YouTube... The YouTube page I am really excited about, and we are going to be pumping out of a lot of content there. Follow us as we get closer to the season. I should be getting better with this too. A lot of fun stuff we could be doing for that football season. So definitely want to keep an eye on that. And what you're going to be seeing there too is one of my buddies, David Clayman, our new kind of a series we're going to be doing where our friends are going to be coming on. We want this to be as much your podcast as our podcast. We want you guys to feel a part of this. And that's where we're going to start today. You're going to be hearing Diehard Cleveland Browns fan David Clayman here in a little while. Awesome interview. We'll be trying to do these either every week, every other week here during the offseason. So if you want to come on, make sure you reach out to Stephen or I. But outside of that, man, I'm ready to start talking show. I know we are. You know, shout out. And before we even get into it, shout out to Wally here. I know I kind of sent a tweet out here. Wally's been the backbone of this podcast here the, the past couple of weeks, really just the whole time that we've been doing it. You're too nice. Getting the videos out, getting the YouTube out. 
I've been having a hellish, hellacious last couple of weeks. Shout out to Wally for, for keeping it up. Before we go into the free agency talk here, we want you guys to also know that this week's free agency talk is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Um, especially if you are Wally and I's age, where there seems like there's college graduations, engagements, wedding, baby pictures. Shout out to my girl, Clara Joy. You name it, it's happening. We're all going through it. And it feels like it's happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That is Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. Or you can go to her Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. You're talking about your boy Cleveland here. I don't even know if I just said this right. It's Cleveland, Cleveland. Cleveland. I was going to say, they, they, they're like, uh, you'll know if you're from the Northeast Ohio because you see the Cleveland auto yep. sticker on everything. So that he definitely comes from that line. He's basically king of Northeast Ohio. So definitely want to give him a look. Why not that else start with something that I know that he was pumped about in the in the interview, the Deshaun Watson trade. Well, pumped. I was going to say, he definitely had strong feelings, at the very least. It's an upgrade at the position. It is an absolute upgrade at the position. We, we're we not talking legality here. We, we'll keep the politics to the to the big wigs here. But the Browns are receiving, or they have received Deshaun Watson, who then signs an extension for a five-year, $230 million, fully guaranteed contract as well as a sixth round draft pick. And the Texans are receiving this year's next year's and the following year's first round picks, a third round pick in 2023, a fourth round pick in 2022 and 2024. Deshaun Watson this past week as well. I just got cleared from a second grand jury of not being indicted there in Texas. So now of course, everything else is coming up with the civil lawsuits. That's as, as political I'll get, but Wally, we were just talking about, would you want to be that guy that's rooting for this? Would you, want to be the team and the organization that takes a chance on him. Well, now it's hitting really close to home for both of us. What were your thoughts on Deshaun getting out of there? And side note, Baker not being involved in the trade, I thought was really confusing. Yeah, the Baker thing, first of all, it's kind of crazy because he's running out of destinations to end up in right now. I feel like Carolina, Seattle, the two that make a lot of sense. We'll see if he actually ends up there. The problem is, without the market, they're not going to get the value that they probably would have believed he's worth. Now, I'm going to say a couple things in Deshaun Watson. Like you said, we never talk about the off-field stuff anymore from here because I want it to be, you know, a football podcast. First and foremost, we're not the, the smartest people, but I do want to – it's a tricky situation. So I just want – I wrote down some thoughts. I'm going to say it. And, again, after that, I'm completely done talking about Deshaun Watson outside of the football field. But I've been – like, had friends basically say, hey, there's a lot of people out there that are grandstanding the Browns right now that are kind of white knighting for this, where we're standing on the table saying, Deshaun Watson playing is wrong, whereas guys like Joe Mixon, guys in a past like Peyton Manning had allegations come out, Carl Malone had terrible allegations, Big Ben, Kobe, why do we not ask questions there? And I think that's a fair question because we do need to ask ourselves as football fans – and that doesn't mean that, we, like, what we should concession our like our morality. Where is it going to draw the lines? And I think it's a fair question again because how do I want to word this? This is again, it's it's just such a shitty thing. But at the I just end of the day, honestly, want- doesn't even matter. I right? like hate cutting you off because it's all gonna. It's we're gonna circle back to the same thing. There's only one thing that matters. 
And only one thing that's going to change the per- his perception, the perspective that they receive from people is winning. And with that fully guaranteed contract, the pressure is even on him more. Yeah, I more or less my point is I just hate that. I don't want people to start weaponizing sexual assault to like, oh, we didn't do this for them. So that's why I'm going to support him now. There, We all grew up and we heard that stupid little thing you could learn in schools where frogs, if you put them in boiling water, they're going to jump out because they don't want to die. But if you put them in lukewarm water and slowly turn it up, the frogs will literally stay in the water until they boil to death. And I feel like frogs are so fucking dumb. <laughs> well, and we're NFL fans. We're dumb too. In a similar we're just way. Just as dumb as frogs, yes. We're literally as dumb as frogs. But it feels like in a way we've kind of become that frog where, okay, that allegation, it's only one person. Maybe we shouldn't do it. Oh, it's that person. Oh, there's only been a couple allegations. He said, she said. And like it's slowly just growing and growing. And at some point, I like you have to ask yourself, where are we gonna make the moral concessions? Where are we not? I mean, you guys know where I stand with Deshaun Watson. I'm very adamantly against him. It's going to be really hard for me to even support the Browns next year a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm never going to knock a person for rooting for the uniform, for the team. You weren't the one that made the decision. It's just there's a a line of root for the Browns without glorifying Deshaun Watson. And that's where it's really tricky. No, it's a it's a double edged. You know, I'd go as far as saying it's a triple edged sword, if that's even possible. I don't think it is. But no, it, I like there's the triple edged sword. You got like a little triangle action here. I don't know what that would be, but it, I like it. See, kind of like you know, uh, Conan the Barbarian type deal. It's like the double whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, the Kylo Ren. The there we go. That was, see, man, that was bad, but you know what I'm doing. See, hey, I needed you. I need you there for that. So I appreciate that. But no, I mean. Once we find out what the civil lawsuits are, because that is still going on, he's up to twenty. He has up to twenty-two civil lawsuits that he is still battling. So that is where that's going to happen, or that's where we're going to really start deciding how much people are going to hate Deshaun Watson because the the two grand juries not indicting him. Obviously, he's raising a lot of question marks, and with a lot of NFL fans. But at the end of the day, it is Texas, so you never know what the fuck's going down in there. Well, and you know how it is too. Everybody's made up their mind already. You're either yes. here or you're here and nobody's moving. So it's like almost a waste of time to even talk about. Exactly. I think, but overall, the, the man on the field, right? Top three yeah. quarterback when he, right before he had left before last year, not wanting to play, not wanting to play with the Texans. Now all this legality stuff is happening here on the back end. The dude's a top three quarterback. People seem to forget that he was still up and blew the lead, 24 point lead against Bama Holmes and those Chiefs. But Deshaun Watson was right up in that tier with him. So don't forget that. And we're expecting that $230 million contract to signal that that dude hasn't changed. He hasn't missed a beat yet. He hasn't thrown a, he hasn't thrown a football in a professional game and going on almost two years. That team is going to be dynamite. Now they mm-hmm. still have some wide receiver question marks that they need to address. We are hearing rumors of Jarvis Landry potentially coming back. They're looking to get Jadavion Clowney back on the defensive line. Are, should the Browns, be the favorites in the AFC North. I know it's kind of a ludicrous question. We know what the Ravens can do. Steelers, yeah, all right, Mitch. (laughs) And then we got the Bengals and Joey B, who I think made really great moves. But would you catapult the Browns up to being the favorite for the North right now? God, it's so frustrating because we just said we were going to stop talking about the off-field issues with Deshaun. But yeah, I think it all depends on if he's suspended, right? If he's suspended for six games, if he's suspended for eight games – that's too much, even with a good backup in Jacoby Brissett, because you would imagine Baker's gone. I don't, even if they decide that they can't move him, he's going to hold out. There's no way he plays. 
And, and if they, it happens, Jacoby Brissett, while being competent, they can want go maybe four and four in there. The Browns might still be a playoff team or a fringe playoff team, but no, I, I think you got to go with the Ravens. You got to go with the Bengals. And there's hell, there's a chance, even with Mitch Trubisky leading the Steelers, that's still a good roster. It's just, I don't know if the Browns got it. If with Sean Watson plays all year, I think they might be the favorite. We'll go on and now we'll get a two week recap of how I've been feeling about Devontae Adams being traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. As you guys know, as a refresher, Devontae does get traded to the Raiders for a first and a second round pick in this year's draft. While Devontae signs an extension for five years, 141.5 milli with 65.67 guaranteed. And that's if he's on the roster next March. Obviously, so, Adams has been. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I hope not. Come back. <laughs> to Green Bay. I miss you so much already. It's just it's it's been entertaining watching the Fresno State highlights. Uh, you know, they just had Derek Carr and Devontae Adams senior day highlights on there when Devontae had like looked like two, like 250 and like three or four touchdowns, just demolishing like New Mexico, whoever it may be. <laughs> but man, it's it still stings. It hurts. I'm waiting for that Devontae 17 black and silver to be arriving on my doorstep any day here. Hey, I'm still waiting until I get out to Vegas. I'm going <sighs> to pop them both at the same. You don't worry about that. You'll be getting it. It hurts. It still hurts. I can't, I don't want, I, I can't process it. It's like I wake up and I'm like, yeah, uh, Devontae's not a backer. <laughs> I put my like we're on. Opposite. Yeah. Whatever. Big tree fall hard. Remember that. Don't get too high up in there. But obviously, he's going to be an instant game changer with them. They're making some moves on the defensive line. That's going to help them keep up without the the high-powered offenses that will be in the AFC West. How excited are you just to kind of recap your last two weeks since we posted the video about it live? Oh, it Okay, so the fact that he was offered more money by Green Bay and he chose to go play with Derek Carr I mean, my body was like convulsing, like my spirit ascended when I heard that news. And it was the validation that I needed to hear from NFL players that they understand and appreciate who Derek Carr is. Because if the media and the fans aren't going to do it, thank God for guys like Devontae Adams. The fact that he's going to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr and was so excited to get his friend back. And so it it makes me feel like there's going to be instant chemistry. I think the Raiders are going to be, a really fun team. Now their total came out at eight and a half. I feel at this point, it's a little low considering in fact what the Raiders have been doing the last three years, but in that AFC West, someone's got to be the seller dweller. And I'm worried that it still could be the Raiders with how high powered the offenses are around the AFC West. Now we flip it over to the green Bay side. Like I said, they received the first and second picks in this, this year's draft. So they get pick number 22 and 53. So that's going to be three picks in the top 50 right there. Top 54, excuse me. Now I know what the moves I want to, that I want green Bay to make. What's your mindset? Who do you think your picks get denial on? There's a fucking free ad. I know you're covering <laughs> the draft. You guys are all over it, but not only a big 10 receiver, your boy, is getting a lot of hype about potentially dropping down to that 22 spot and Green Bay being able to snag, who I would love. Where do you think that Green Bay can go right in this to at least make the wide receiving core competent, I guess is a better, the best word I can think of right now? I wouldn't worry about competent. First of all, you have Aaron Rodgers, and if he's your quarterback, you know how it is. I mean, the wide receivers are going to feast regardless just because of how talented he is. 
But if you are looking at the draft, I think you should be. Chris Olave makes a lot of sense there in the early 20s. Who knows? Maybe a guy like Jamison Williams is there. This wide receiver class is packed, especially at the top. There's four or five guys that you can make a case would be wide receiver one or two in a typical draft. This year's it's a lot of fun, especially for a team like you, because people are still going to be reaching for quarterbacks for no reason, because that's what happens now in the draft. And the Packers yes. are going to have someone there at 22. This hurts now, but I think with the money you'll save, having a cheap weapon with Aaron Rodgers, this could be a really exciting offense still. See, I, I want them to I want them to dip their dip their toes in each. I want for a little bit of free agency. You have Julio Jones out there, AJ Green. Yeah, Julio the last couple of years just hasn't been the same guy. AJ Green at least is you know had played a full season, had some decent stats this year with DeAndre Hopkins out with that hamstring injury for a majority of the back half of the season. So AJ Green is still there and he can still play. I would not mind snagging AJ Green, maybe getting like a a Adam Humphreys like a cheaper wide receiver coming, get Chris Olave in that 22 pick. I don't know. See who drops. Maybe we can snag someone at the 28th pick that they also have. And all of a sudden that wide receiver court is repaired. But you have to think, if you just look over the last at least three or four draft classes with wide receivers, these guys are just coming in ready to play. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. You got Debo Samuel making, making a nice little comeback. Jamar Chase having a stellar year. On top of Justin Jefferson, something in that LSU waters is hitting different. So I like the confidence in Ohio State. Wide receiver and really any defensive player, that is their – that's the cream of the crop that you're getting right there from Ohio State. And they're, they've are they been pumping them out. So I like the Alave pick, and hell, why not? Maybe they both drop and we get and we get them both. <laughs> now, if Highly you, unlikely, though. That shit ain't happening. If you, I was going to say, if Garrett Wilson's there at 22 – the Packers card will be in Roger Goodell's hand before he finished reading pick 21. That, that I, that's why I didn't mention him before. Cause I think a lot or Olave is obviously going to be more in that range, but Garrett Wilson, he's the prototypical wide receiver one. He's going to go very early, expect big things from him. But how about another guy that got sent away wide receiver? That is Tyree kill was sent to Miami in exchange for five picks. Dolphins received Tyree kill who signed an extension immediately four years, $120 million. 52 and a half guaranteed over the next two years. Oh, it's like your boys aren't the highest paid receiver anymore. That's fine with me. That's what you benefit when you reset the market. When you reset yes. the market, other teams overreact and do it too. Yeah, I don't think, excuse me, I don't think Devontae, Devontae resetting the market, I don't think caused Tyreek Hill to go. I think that was going to happen. Like there's just been a lot of talks between them breaking down and getting the extension. Devontae Adams' contract definitely helped and expediate that process. Right. It was a straw Shout that broke the camel's back, for sure. On, I, and at the end of the day, the pioneer, Mr. Christian Kirk, man, the wide receivers are buying him. He's never going to have to buy a drink at any NFL event ever. So good for him since he had to set that, but five picks. Yeah. It is ridiculous. That Miami well, – I want to focus on the Dolphins here. That Miami offense is going to be the most explosive offense in the NFL next year. I'm watermarking that, stamping it right now. We're basically it's it's April. Miami is going to have the most explosive offense. You got you got Mike Kosecki's or tight end who still runs a four five. You got Tyree Kill. You got Jalen Waddle. You got a crop in the backfield. You got Raheem Mostert. You got Miles Gaskins. You just signed Chase Edmonds. 
this is going to be a fast offense. Yeah, I know Tua can't really throw the ball. He doesn't need to. You know why Debo Samuel is so successful? Because of his offensive coordinator he had, who is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He knows how to make those speedy skill players look like they can play any position. Honestly, Miami fucked up. They should have added Cordell, Cord, score Daryl Patterson <laughs> into their backfield because I think this offense would have took off. Regardless, they don't miss anything on the defensive side of the ball. When I mean miss, they did not lose any pieces on the defensive side. This is going to be a dangerous team. And all of a sudden, we always talk about it. Buffalo thinks that they have this division. Now you have Mac Jones kind of creeping up here. We'll see how the Patriots are going to do. But now you have Miami all of a sudden being a problem. I want to say they're at plus 400 to win that division. Why the hell not sprinkle some on right now? It's a good number, too. Plus 400 is not bad at all. I know that I'm yep. jumping all over the place. We're going to have to skip this later with the NFL free agency. We'll, too. Go, we'll, go, to the, we'll go to the Chiefs after if that's what you're getting at. No, actually, I was talking okay. about the Dolphins. Because on top of all this, I mean, you're right. This offense is a Ferrari. And the question is, is two of the 16-year-old that's going to drive it irresponsibly not be able to handle everything? Yeah, the he's guys, more of a Jaguar. That He looks like he wants to be in that class, but it's like, oh, that's just a fucking Jaguar. Just changing the logo doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, well, and, I mean, this just this offseason, they added Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, Cedric Wilson, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Alec Engel, Trent Sherfield, and Tag Gusecki. The offense should be loaded. It's just a matter of if Tua can do it. Yeah, see, I'd even get to the offensive lineman that they had signed, too. And I totally forgot about Cedric Wilson, which that dude is pretty speedy as well. They are speed kills, and that is what their identity already is. We don't even need to see it on, on the field, on film, whatever it may be. This team is going to be dangerous. I just, You know me and my outlandish takes. First one ever, Atlanta was going to be the team winning the AFC South or coming in second two years ago. Miami. Most explosive offense in the NFL next year. I can't wait. Now, for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm interested to see how this is going to go. Now, they did add Juju Smith-Schuster here, mm-hmm. and they're receiving – they're going to have a total of 12 picks in this draft this year. And they have two picks. I want to say they have two picks in every round up through round four, maybe up and through round five. They're going to be able to reload, to your point, with this wide receiver class, the way that it is, and with the amount of picks that Kansas City have – do not be surprised if they end up trading up a little bit, maybe to leapfrog some people that thought they were going to get their respected receiver that they had their eyes on. I'm expecting this Chiefs team to retool. Obviously, having Tyreek Hill not there is going to completely change this team. We'll see how Juju does. You still got Travis Kelsey. You got a great O-line that's going to be able to protect Pat Mahomes. I don't know who's ready to really step up. I'm not – Brian Pringle had a one great game. Cole Harmon I'm not really set on. Marquez Valdez-Scantling – all right, dude, that, that dude only – he's like an alligator. He can only run straight lines. If you do zigzags, you got him. Do you like <laughs> well, that reference? That's I did my, like that's my, the reference. That's my Florida man coming out. But that's a good thing too, though. They needed that guy that could stretch the field, take a top off a of defense. Just fun fact, Marquez Valdez-Scanling is the only wide receiver to have a faster clock time on the NFL football field in the last four years than Tyreek Hill. So even if he's not the guy that's going to – be the the elusive or the crisp route runner that Tyreek Hill might be, he's going to be able to do enough to open up for Juju, for to open up for Travis Kelsey. And to your point, who knows what they add in the NFL draft. But let's go real quick to one more trade as well. Matt Ryan, in the wake of the Deshaun Watson news to Cleveland, 
they decided they weren't going to be able to, I guess, make that next step this year. So they kind of put a Band-Aid, took a ton of dead cap on, and traded Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third-round pick. Really just, I know that we've kind of been a curse to the Falcons since this podcast has started, but they have been, I mean, a third-round pick for Matt Ryan, even at this stage, feels light. And then to saddle on dead cap that's going to amount to about 20% of their budget next year, I mean, the Falcons are going to be bad. It feels so hopeless down there right now. Yeah. Sorry, my little devil is running around with her alligator. That's okay. You got to at least tell them. You got a new dog. Tell us about him a little bit. Ended up being, I, uh, over this past weekend, the bright spot my last two weeks, I was able to adopt an adorable four and a half month-year-old pit bull mix her name was janice foplin so that's her i like to call it her government name it's her system name but that's baby that's going to be baby impala so we'll get some pictures out i don't want to you know i don't want to just all willy-nilly just bring her up here to show her to the public you know it's kind of like when celebrities have babies they don't want you know they don't want people yeah gotta protect that identity exactly but she will be one of the mascots here so sooner rather than later you will be seeing this gorgeous Blue brindle pit bull mix all over your computer screen, phone screen, hell, maybe even your TV screen here soon. Well, that's what I have. Now, did we talk about Matt Ryan? Because I spaced out when my dog was running across. No, so I just literally brought up the fact that that's a ton of dead cap. It is not a lot of retooling. You kind of figured that they'd either be able to get more later round picks or maybe a higher, maybe day two pick. It, It felt really light. To, to be sent to Indianapolis and good for them, I guess. I don't know what the desperation, if there was any for Matt Ryan to get out of Atlanta, they're obviously doing a huge favor for him because they're like, Hey, you are, you take away Michael Vick. You're just, you're the best quarterback to ever touch this franchise. We'll at least give you the respect because I mean, this dude hasn't been able, he's been sacked 40 plus times in the last four years. I mean, this dude doesn't have an O-line. He cannot be protected. I don't care if you have Calvin Ridley, who's gambling on his, on the sacks prop. That's probably what it was. That's probably why Calvin really wasn't uh, doing any, any chipping there at the line while he was running his, running his slant route. That totally makes sense. Like you just got to get someone to protect him. Also Matt Ryan goes into what seems like a flip situation in Atlanta two years ago, no offensive line with the loaded receiving core. Now he has a loaded offensive line with really no receiving core here in Indianapolis. So they need to make some splash moves. That's really the only team that's probably worse than Green Bay off in the receiver room. That They need to make those moves yesterday. Would love a Julio Jones reconnection there. And Andy, get them back in the dome. They'll be nice and warm. You don't have to worry about the, the coldness that they have there in Indiana. But I do need to pat myself on the back. Not all the way because we still need to find the footage. It's a I call Matt cap. Ryan, right? I'm not. Yeah, it's not. It's a soft sale. It's not a hard sale yet. We gotta get the video up. I was calling Matt Ryan of the Colts here during for Atlanta to blow this up last year around this time, maybe a year and a half ago. So I'm a fucking genius, if you guys were wondering. But the funniest thing is your boy Marcus Mariota ends up being reunited with Arthur Smith, who was his offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Now the head coach of Atlanta. And he signs a two-year contract and looks like he's now a starter back in the NFL. Are you happy at all? I know that's kind of your boy. You don't really get to see him that much. But when you do, it was at least a little bit exciting when you got into the game. Are you happy for him? Or do you think that do you think that offense is going to really do anything with Mariota? No. no they, can't, I mean, they can't get worse, right? They, I, I don't think they'll get better, but. 
They can't get worse, no. But it feels like a situation destined to doom. And I think that it was a conscious decision by Atlanta. I talked about 20% of their cap hit this next year is going to be playing or going to a player that's not on their team. So what do you have to do to mitigate that? You have to sign a quarterback band-aid while you have a rebuild. You realize that it's going to be a tough couple of years. Person I feel worst about in this like whole situation is Arthur Smith. Because this guy now, he's kind of one of those coaches that has been doomed to fail from the very beginning. He never really had a shot last year. Now it gets even worse. The only thing I can hope for is that they're patient with him and understand that this is not his fault. You only can do so much with that roster you have. So good for Mariota, not so great for Arthur Smith. Now, do you think Matt Ryan, well, the addition of Matt Ryan up in Indy, that they should be the favorites in the AFC South. I know that they they got down to the wire here a little bit last year when Indy just choked there in Jacksonville. Shout out to my shout out to uh, Drew Deshook, uh, residence Indianapolis Colts fan, and my boy Jared Panstingle. It was rough, right? But this seems like the quarterback carousel, which they've had solid quarterback carousels, right? This isn't the Browns carousel that they've been having throughout the you know throughout the duration of whatever it was. And same with Denver in between Peyton and Russ, right? I think that this can be the final piece. I'm not calling them Super Bowl contenders, but winning that AFC South and maybe being able to make some noise with that O-line to Jonathan Taylor with a competent quarterback who's not Carson Wentz. You're right. And the only, I guess, thing I tell you to put the pause button on with the Colts is that this feels kind of very similar to the last two years where you've had veteran kind of journeyman quarterbacks where you're just expecting that with that offensive line, with that run game now, that they were going to be able to take that next step. I had the Titans last year, as you remember. I'm not nearly as high on them going into this next year. I do think the Colts are probably the favorite in that division. But once you come out of the division, what's the talk been all offseason? How good this AFC is? And I don't know, regardless of whoever the AFC South team is, how do you get past those gauntlets out there in the AFC West? How do you get past the really powerful AFC North teams? And now you're even going to have to talk about multiple AFC East teams. So good for them in the moment. Yeah, I think they're a playoff team, but I just don't think at this age, at this stage of Matt Ryan's career, he's really going to elevate them much better than Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers was able to. They just need to get, they need to get a playmaker on the outside. Yeah, they have Michael Pittman. He's a stud. I like them. They added Mo Alley-Cox because of the, retirement of Mr. Jack Doyle, they just need to get someone that could essentially take the top off of them on the defense. They need someone because Matt Ryan still got that. Like you said, he's still got, he still has a little bit in the tank and yes, I know he has, he has the age problems, but not being hit as much, he's going to cut those sacks and probably more like cut it in more than half. So I'm expecting him to be extremely, what's the word I want to, I want to look for. I want to say lucrative, like get some sales meeting. But I think that he can make some noise. And at the end of the day, they're not going to go that far because it is the AFC. No matter how good that defense is, that their defense will be just as good as like the third, like the third best defense, third worst defense in the AFC West. We talk about now there's 10 t- AFC teams that are playoff teams and there's seven spots. So three or four teams are going to be let off in a brutal way when they really thought not only that they had aspirations to playoffs, but further how about we talk just briefly, other notable remaining free agents here. You have, It's kind of a theme this cycle. Age is kind of waiting for the second and third wave. Most of these 30-year-old-plus veterans are waiting now, 
And it's partly because they expected to be getting deals a little higher in the price range. At that same point too, you have guys like Tyron Matthew. That's like, Hey, you know what? If I'm not going to get the money, I'm going to expect to make, I'm going to wait until this off season really plays out. I'm going to see where the best team is best spot for me. And that's where I'm going to go. But just a few names. And I want your thoughts on any of them, whether you think there's a place that they can go place that makes sense, anything to that effect. We have Stefan Gilmore. He's 31. Bobby Wagner, 31. Tyron Matthew, 29. Akeem Hicks, 32. OBJ, 29. Dwayne Brown, 36. Jadavian Clowney, 29. And ironically, one of the few really high-profile younger players still that people are high on is Derek Barnett, who's 25. Any of these names stick out? You're like, that guy's going there. It's a lock. The only thing that the only name that sticks out is Honey Badgers, right? He's he's 29. He's he's a great player, and arguably outside of Chris Jones, the best player that the Chiefs had. Um, he was a key piece to their Super Bowl win and just making all those AFC championships. Now he got a fat contract to sign there originally when he left Arizona, and he got a ring. So it's kind of two birds, one stone. Maybe you can get the best of both worlds again going up to a competitor. I just don't know where I could, you know, I could see him maybe landing in Carolina. Uh, they, you know, with the departure of Xavier Woods, they had Stefan Gilmore that was there a little bit. Maybe you can pair him up with uh, J.C. Horn as well as as well as uh, God, whatever his name was also just got released. A.J. Bouye, he was also released here this offseason. So I could see them kind of making that move uh, and maybe just getting out of the AFC for these players that are focused on getting at least getting to the Super Bowl. Why not look at the NFC team that will best uh, fit your needs? Bobby Wagner, obviously, sorry, my dog is grabbing my mic I threw on the ground. Bobby Wagner, I mean, he's a stud. We all know this dude. Playing on that Seattle defense, he was the heart and soul of that linebacking core during LOB, before, during, and after LOB. I think that he'll find a home, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in Denver because of that Russ Westbrook. Russ Westbrook, Russ Wilson. So there's so much West Brick stuff going on here. It's, it's, I'm getting my Russes confused. That That's how far away removed from football I feel like I am that I'm saying Russell Westbrook instead of Russell Wilson. Akeem Hicks, we'll, we'll see if he can stay healthy. He can still – he's still got a load in the tank. Dude's an absolute stud. For, you, for those who do not know him, nose tackle for the Chicago Bears has been nothing but a thorn in the Green Bay Packers side in that whole division, conference, and NFL since he's gotten – into the league. He's a stud. I think that he'll find a home. Stefan Gilmore, I'm I'm still predicting that he's going to end up with your Vegas Raiders. He's got the Josh McDaniels connection. That's a savvy veteran that he knows that he can trust on. Not only a huge, huge position that you need to be filled because, yes, you got Rock, Rocky Austin in that trade to send Yannick Ngakwe over to Indianapolis. I don't think that's going to be enough in your secondary. You need a you need a proven veteran like Stephon Gilmore in there. And it just seems like that'd be a perfect fit for right now. I do think the Raiders might end up with either Stephon Gilmore or Tyron Matthew, depending on how those markets do play out. They're going to probably address one of those needs in the draft. They're probably going to try to bring in a veteran, the other one. But going to Bobby Wagner, like you said, there there's going to be a market for him for sure. It already sounds like – Oh, yeah. On it's heating up. It's, it's just an amount of time. It is. I mean, you've heard – and they're all going to be contenders. He's going to go to a place that he thinks he can win a Super Bowl. Denver, you mentioned. I think Baltimore makes a lot of sense. They've been talking to him. And then I don't know where they just print money. They print draft picks, whatever. But the Rams sound like they're heavily involved in the Bobby Wagner market. It's just going to be a matter. I don't either. 
I mean, he's expecting over, or he wants over $10 million this next year. Sounds like the Ravens are willing to make that happen. Where will the money come from for the Rams? I don't, I know they cut Robert Woods, but then what did he do? They bring in Allen Robinson. They still have interest in OBJ. Where is it coming from? I don't know. It's just seeping out of their eyes. And I, we could sit here and, you know, have the analytics and be analytical towards all the salary cap. Let's make these moves. Let's do this. It doesn't fucking exist. It is fake salary cap. There's two things in this world that aren't real NFL salary cap and birds. We all know that no free ads, but birds aren't real.com. Make sure you go. They are not fucking real. They're all robots spying on us placed in here by the government. If you don't believe me, Read a short little online pamphlet. Who are you, dude? Who who are you? Like, I, how does this? You know, that's fine. Birds aren't real. Whatever you got to say. They fucking aren't real, man. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No, no because like who is looking you. for a baby pigeon? <laughs> they, I, I bet they would look cute, but they, but they're fucking fake. Well, <laughs> that's that's beside the point. And the NFL salary cap is fake. I mean, the the Saints have been under the like forty million of the salary cap half of Drew Brees' career. So I don't understand it. The Odell market is interesting. He is he has the worst situation. Two ACL tears in the same knee in a three-year span. And this is all the same time when A, he's a free agent, B, in the middle of his prime, and C, the way the market is set because of Christian Kirk, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Gill, he ain't getting that money. And he thinks he's going to deserve it, but he doesn't. He's got to prove himself on a one or two year deal. I'm interested to see where he's going to go. And I, I could see him being a late addition, like a, a week six signing to bring him back. Cause he's, cause he's ahead of schedule on his rehab. He's a very interesting situation just because we have seen. Yeah. The Christian Kirks, the Devonte Adams, Harvey kill resetting that young wide receiver market, but we've seen veteran wide receivers really not get the money they expect. David Clayman, we talk about, which we'll have to throw it over here in a second to the interview, but he even brought up how Jarvis Landry was expecting the neighborhood of $20 million, and he's nowhere near that quality. Odell, his stats really haven't reflected what he believes he's worth, and you add on the knee on top of it, I don't care about his age. I don't care that he's in a traditional prime. He's going to have to take, like you said, that short deal if he ever expects big money and you saw what happened with Juju last year, he gambled on himself, went back to Pittsburgh. He dearly regretted it. Probably wish he signed that or signed with Kansas city last off season. Cause now he's cost himself a lot of money. And I think OBJ is in the same boat, but Hey, how about we send it over to David Clavin right now? Again, he was awesome. Really appreciate him coming on. Sure. We'll have him back on again in the future, whether it be before the season or after, but here we go. David Clavin. Now, Steven and I both welcome on a very special guest today and our first one ever here on Loss of Down. One of my favorite people on earth, David Clavin. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, how are you doing, buddy? I'm great. Uh, glad to be here. Thankful that you guys brought me on. I love this show and I love you guys and love listening to you every week. Um, so I'm excited to be here. Well, and of course, you had to be like the perfect first guest because you're one of our like beginning listeners here on the show and of course you're a Browns fan you're from Northeast Ohio people probably know that last name of yours David Clavin there tell us a little bit about yourself why you're a Browns fan a little bit any kind of background you want to share with the listeners here 
Yeah, so um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, uh, from Northeast Ohio, specifically just the suburbs of Akron, Ohio, um, I've actually, you know, for the listeners, I've known Wally since freshman year of high school. We went to Walsh Jesuit together, um, actually played freshman football together where, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll let him t- tell the story later, but he coined the, the phrase turquoise 100 is his hot route as a quarterback. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love all things Cleveland sports, mainly because I grew up here. Um, you know, my, my dad was a big Browns fan, um, for a while. So I became a Browns fan and then, you know, just living in the area, you learn to slowly adopt all things Cleveland for, for better or for worse, really. Um, you know, beyond professional sports, uh, or really beyond American professional sports, I'm a Tottenham fan, um, for English premier league. I, uh, I'm a Syracuse college basketball fan and a Texas college football fan. So big fan of rooting for teams who are just good enough to make you believe and just bad enough to break your heart in the end. That's really honestly the perfect way to describe all of that. But before we even get into a little bit more sports topics here, you brought up us meeting and being basically just that little bit of time we overlapped in person one year in in freshman year of high school, yet we're still really, really good friends. And I had to ask, do you remember that first week we actually met one another, do you have any recollection of it at all? Not off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you laid it out for me, it would all come back flurrying to the top of my mind. <laughs> I had to share because you and I were very similar, but very different people. Yeah. So we hated each other's guts for like the first week and a half, two weeks, because you and I couldn't have a conversation with one another sports-wise because everything turned into a fight or you're wrong. Let me tell you why I'm right. So this that is the perfect, right. <laughs> exactly. This is the perfect place for you to come on and share some thoughts with us. And regrettably, we'll have, we have to start because you are a Browns fan, not with the most fun topic, but it is something we have to talk about. Deshaun Watson, newest quarterback for the Cleveland Browns from a football perspective, massive move. Browns are, you'd imagine even a step better than they were but it obviously has some people feeling a little uncomfortable about some parts of it. Even what, I guess the uh, press conference the other day, there were a lot of people, a lot of questions they didn't feel like were properly answered. As somebody from the area, lifelong Browns fan, what has it really been like for you? Is this a moment that you kind of have to sit here and question things? Or you, you're like, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, we're trying to win football games. You know, you really hit the nail on the head with a lot of things there. Um, I think, you know, objectively speaking, I think I'm, I'm extremely, extremely conflicted. Um, you know, the more information that comes out, the foggier the waters get as well. It's not like the longer we go here, the, the clearer the path, the, the clearer the understanding of what their decision-making was in that process. Um, but, you know, on one hand, as you mentioned, from a strictly – football perspective this is the the best move I think any team's made in the offseason so far like this is they had a quarterback that was good enough but they went out and they got a quarterback who on the football field is a top five quarterback in the NFL Um, it's a fantastic move if you're looking at it from a football only perspective but you know the world we live in isn't it's not you know putting on the blinders and only looking at the football perspective um, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond that. And I, that's what makes it so conflicting is because I, I think it's, it's a questionable move, especially, you know, 
especially when you look at it from who the team has hired, right? We have one of the most diverse staffs in the NFL. We have women all over the organization. And I just don't know, you know, I don't know what, what ownership, what Andrew Barry, what Stefanski are thinking, you know, how, how do you walk back into that organization knowing you just traded for a guy who, who hasn't been accused of just two or three, you know, sexual misconducts, but, but 22 or 23 or 21, I forget what the actual number is, but it's, it's so many that I don't know how you walk back into that locker room, walk back into that, that building. And, you know, you, you tell your female staff, yeah, this is who we got. We're really excited. And then on top of that, I don't know how these guys went home to their wives and their daughters and were really excited to tell them about this big trade. And, you know, I, I realize that Deshaun Watson, there's always some, you know, there might be a chance that he's, you know, really not guilty. And I know he's been, you know, he hasn't been criminally charged, but I just feel like, you know, to your female staff, your female family, your female fans, even, you know, I don't, I don't know how you, you convince them that this was the right move, especially considering that, you know, and I know I'm, I'm going on tangents here, but, you know, oh, also good. considering that, that there are so many women out there who are victims of sexual assault who maybe didn't report it because of the reasons that, you know, we're sitting here talking about Deshaun Watson is that nobody really gets, you know, pinned for it unless there's like video evidence or witnesses. And so, you know, there's, there's so many victims of sexual assault out there, especially in the Browns fan base. Um, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like for them because, you know, it's even harder to root for the team if you're even going to root for the team than it is for somebody like me who's, who's not a victim and, and can't relate in that way to them. But, it, you know, it's, it's just super conflicting. I, I you know, I, this coming season is just going to be super difficult for me. I can, I can joke with you all I want about leaving the Browns behind and becoming like a Raiders fan with you or, you know, choosing the easy route and becoming a fan of the chiefs who have the best quarterback in the NFL. Like I can joke all I want about that, but when you grow up developing a bond with a sports team, you don't just leave it behind. Right. So this coming season, I I'm coming to grips with, wow, like every single time they play, I'm not going to be happy even if they win. And if they win, I can't celebrate it because I'm not even that happy that we have a quarterback who I don't love. And, you know, I'm going to feel guilty if we do anything significant next season, next season, assuming Deshaun Watson plays, right? Like assuming he doesn't get suspended, you know, uh, assuming he plays, if we, if we want a Super Bowl next year, I don't think I would enjoy it a quarter as much as if I would have, if we did it with Baker Mayfield. Um, but those, you know, those are just some of my thoughts. It's, it's just so conflicting and it, you know, the longer we go, the longer I sit on the information, it's just, it, it's equally as conflicting. It's not getting less foggy. It's not getting easier. It's just kind of like, well, you know, this is the plate I'm handed. I guess I have to eat my meal now. Yeah. It, it, well, and I'm happy. Oh, that's not the right word. It, see, it's just such a weird dynamic too. And I understand why you, you like in your words, going a tangent, just because it, there's so many thoughts that go around this where, first of all, you have a lot of Browns fans, like even I'm friends of, that are excited just from a football perspective. This is probably the best roster people our age have ever seen for a Cleveland Browns team. There's a legitimate Super Bowl 
or not, maybe not or bust, but it's Super Bowl aspirations now. And with what has happened, yeah, you really do kind of, it's kind of like you sold your soul to the devil to a degree, but it's not just Browns fans or the Browns. Like that's where this really gets, I, I feel like there's another layer to it because I truly believe 75, maybe 80% of teams in the league, if they thought they had a chance for Deshaun Watson and they were in quarterback hell, they do the exact same thing. You saw the Falcons do it. The Panthers were pushing. There's mystery teams coming out. This isn't a Browns only issue. And that's where a lot of people, myself included, when the news initially comes out, what do we all do? We always go extremes. There's never that, all right, let's take a step back and look back. What's the problem? How we fix this? This was weird because like to your point, the Browns have been so vocal about being a progressive organization. We're trying to get females involved. We're trying to get more minorities involved, whether that be in front office roles, coaching roles. And this kind of just speaks, it goes the exact opposite way of everything that you have been talking about. So it just makes it a little sour. And I can understand why you're conflicted. But again, too, for the Browns fans, I'll never knock a fan for rooting for the uniform for the team when they're not the ones making these decisions. This wasn't you, David Clavin, sitting at home saying, you know what, Deshaun Watson over Baker Mayfield, because you are a part of the right side of history too. Baker Mayfield stands out there. But let's switch gears, get a little happier, get a little, I guess, better topics here. Don't want to ruin your first time on here. Amari Cooper is brought in. Going back to a football perspective, this offense is going to be pretty damn special, but you're losing Baker Mayfield likely. What is that like? So this is a a flex point for Browns fans. Amari Cooper in this Browns offense, dynamic. But when you look back at the last four years of Baker Mayfield, really turning this organization around, what is that going to, that lasting impression going to be to you? Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about Amari Cooper. I think he actually excels in this offense. I think this offense wasn't meant, uh, Stefanski's offense is not meant to highlight a single player. There's never going to be a receiver that comes to town and puts up insane numbers because the offense is spread the ball around who's at, whoever's open, not, you know, not whoever our best player is. And sometimes it happens to be both, but there's a reason why I think that, you know, OBJ didn't really succeed here. And it's because we didn't force the ball to him. Um, he didn't run the proper routes 50% of the time. So I, I think Amari Cooper is an insanely good route runner. I think if he does his job here, he'll be very successful. Um, especially with, you know, Deshaun Watson behind center. Um, I think it's going to be, I think that's a fantastic move, but then I also have, I also have, you know, I have those, you know, um, reserves that just say hey we spent 40 million dollars on two star receivers in 2017 and it did not go well at all so you know it i do i think amari cooper is going to work out here yeah i do but i still have you know that 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 chip on my shoulder that says hmm, you know don't get your hopes up maybe we still go after a receiver in the draft um do something else but as far as my lasting impression of the baker mayfield era it's kind of depressing. It's like we kind of stiffed the guy on his way out. And, you know, I understand that it's, it's the best move for the franchise going forward, but at the same time, it's, you know, 
I, I just think it could have gone a lot differently. Um, I think 90% of the blame is on the Browns. I think 10% is on Baker Mayfield himself. If the man just kept his mouth shut and like Matt Ryan did during like Russell Wilson did during all the trade rumors, like everyone else did, I think probably looked at a little differently um, than he is now. But at the same time, I think the Browns gave him a bad deal um, and basically said, hey, we we support you, but if we can get better, we don't support you at all, right? Like that's that's kind of what they did. And I don't have an issue with it. People do it all the all the time. I just, you know, I I, I don't think, I don't think it's a good look. I don't think the franchise has built the reputation that they can, you know, they can stiff people like that, like they did. I don't want to say like they did OBJ, but like, you know, they have a they have a bad reputation right now of burning bridges. (laughs) And what does that say to the free agents out there who want to come play? Like understanding they have a phenomenal roster, but in two and three years when, you know, you start losing talent off the roster because you can't pay everyone all the money, you know, what, 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 why does a free agent want to come to Cleveland, right? Like what reputation do they have of stellar player personnel? And that's kind of like how I feel about the end of the Baker era is like, what are we, where are we going as a franchise from a player personnel perspective? Like what, what is our, what are we sticking to? What's our, um, you know, what, what is our bread and butter? What's our culture like? But I don't know. Those are just some of my thoughts. It's weird too, because we often talk about like the joking alliance of the Braiders, the Browns and the Raiders. And there's a lot of teams out there that I feel like fit into that category. Washington commanders. Now Washington Redskins football team, whatever the Detroit lions, the Cincinnati Bengals up until this year, until they decided to actually do something worth a damn. So that changed things. That's what is a consistent theme with all of those organizations is they search out almost to find conflict and to do things wrong when everything seems to be going right. And that's where I think for me too, just being a guy that's been supportive of the Browns this last year, it's frustrating. I can only imagine where you guys are. I mean, we're what, 16 months removed from Baker Mayfield and the Browns going to Pittsburgh and really laying the wood on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now 16 months later, Baker Mayfield's gone. Obviously, we've already talked about everything else that's been going on. It's just a, a little bit strange. But I want to ask you now. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got something. Go for it. I, you know, it's it's just funny you say that because it's, it's, and we've talked about this before privately, but it's just so, it's so funny to me how quickly Browns fans turned on Baker last year too. It's just like, it's so funny to me how quickly they forget a one in 15, you know, oh, in 16, <laughs> and even beyond that, the the 20 consecutive three and 13 seasons that we seem to have, uh, without a quarterback. And and if we're being honest with ourselves, Baker Mayfield's the best franchise quarterback since Otto Graham, and talent wise, might actually be better if you, you know, don't account for the progression of, of athleticism, of course, right? Of like, uh, I, I just don't like. I was perfectly happy, right, knowing that healthy Baker Mayfield could, you know, he's not going to be the the guy who pulls the Browns single-handedly out of a deficit. He's not. He's just not that guy. He's a fringe top-10 quarterback at his best, but he's good enough to win a Super Bowl with the talent on the roster. Um, 
So I just didn't, you know, it's clear that his injury was, was affecting him. It'll be really interesting to see what he does this coming year. If he ends up, I don't know where he's going to end up. I hope it's with a team like the Seahawks or, you know, at least some semblance of talent on an offensive roster where he can actually do something. Um, but the other thing I, I think is interesting that I was, I was hoping to bring up is, you know, if you look at, and this is Baker Mayfield is not Drew Brees. He's never going to be a, a, like a debatable top five all time quarterback like Drew Brees was. Um, however, if you look at Drew Brees, who, who didn't play, I think he played one game his rookie season. So you take his rookie season away and you take his next four seasons. They are so similar to Baker Mayfield. It's painful. It's like painful when you look at it. Cause you're like, oh, wow, here's a blueprint of a guy who dominated year one, had a slight regression year two, dominated year three, got injured year four, and then his team gave up on him. And he got surgery. I mean, it's a, it's a little different because his it was his throwing shoulder. He tore the, um, you know, he tore to shreds basically. But you know, team gave up on him. They moved on to Philip Rivers, and then he goes to the Saints and becomes a top tier Hall of Fame, top four quarterback in the NFL every single year. Quarterback because he got put with the right offensive coordinator. He had talent around him, but he was just great. Now, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to have the exact same career trajectory, but I think there's something to be said for giving up on somebody too soon when they've shown flashes of greatness, right? So Baker Mayfield tying the rookie touchdown record in a game and a half less than Peyton Manning, um, you know, coming out in year two, playing with one of the worst coaching staffs I can imagine that just wasn't prepared. You know, I, I love Freddie Kitchens. I really did support him, but they just, he was not prepared to be a head coach. He wasn't. Was and, an you know, that's, yeah, that's a little tough. Yeah. It's just, he got <laughs> slighted with, with an unprepared coaching staff, which is fine. He made it through. He did, he had a regression, but he, he wasn't terrible. And then he came out with, you know, a brand new head coach who had his best interests at heart, who designed an offense around him. And, dominated i mean he was a he was probably a round out your top 10 quarterback in what was that 2020 i guess yeah the season was um and he comes back and he gets hurt in 21 and and everyone just gives up on him and i feel like that trajectory is very very similar to drew Brees in the sense that you know you have no idea what he's going to do in year five or year six or year seven i don't understand you know this goes back to the browns i don't i don't understand why you not ride it out for one more year. And if it goes so horribly wrong, go out and get your quarterback in the, in the year to follow. Um, because I, I just don't, I don't know how you, you know, we talked about it earlier. I just don't know how you get comfortable with Sean Watson. I don't, but I also don't know why you would just throw Baker to, to the trash can when you've seen that he can be great. Like you've seen it. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not one season. It's two of four with one regression season and one injury season. And yeah, it's, it's a 50, 50, but at the same time, I, I just, I don't like how it looks to give up on a guy too early. Like I, I, I don't want to hold on forever, but I also, you know, this is kind of like his, his grudge match year, right? Like this is the year where he either gets paid or doesn't. And you figure out if he's a starter for the rest of his career 
or if he's, you know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick the rest of his career. So I, I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's really weird though, because this is kind of a point right now where what Joe Burrow did this year with the Cincinnati Bengals, while awesome for the Cincinnati Bengals is so damning to other franchises because we are now in a point where fans in the media, local media think they know so much where in 20 years ago, there was a much more of that patience in that, Hey, you know, we got to trust these guys. These guys know what they're doing here. Derek Carr, while skill set is different, you know, he's kind of a very similar kind of guy to Baker Mayfield in the sense that he was never going to be the Aaron Rodgers. He was never going to be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, but he can be that guy, the, the the Joe Flacco-ish. Like, if everything works out, that can be a team that can win a championship. And Baker Mayfield is in that tier. It's the same as the guys back in the day that you gave up on, like Jason Campbell. Not you guys, you know what I'm saying. Jason yeah. Campbell was given up on in Washington. Goes as a journeyman. Everywhere he goes, it's like seven offensive coordinators in his first eight years or something like that. And he always succeeds. And we're like, well, why doesn't this guy get a shot? And it's because we're the same people that push our quarterbacks out. Raider fans are doing it with Derek Carr. You had, obviously, Browns fans doing it with Baker Mayfield. It's not an isolated issue. It's just so frustrating that we are now at a point where if you do not have Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, we're constantly, every 12 to 24 months, saying we need someone new. And I I think Tom Brady, and, and you know, you look at it and Tom Brady probably ruined that perspective for fans because it was like, Oh, you know, for a while there, it was like, Oh, if you don't have Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, you just don't go to a super bowl. Like, you know, you don't win a super bowl. And he buried it's like, Phillip rivers and big Ben. He buried right, him. Right. And it's like, it's like, no, no, like it might've been, it might've been slim for the last, for Tom Brady's entire career in the NFL but that's more of a statement on him than it is on, you know, how quickly you should give up on a quarterback. Cause it, just because the number one quarterback in, in NFL history played during this era does not mean that in the next era that Patrick Mahomes is going to win nine championships because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Other teams can do it. And we just lived through an era where the best coach in NFL, well, you know, arguably the best coach in NFL history and For sure. arguably the best player in NFL history happened to meet up and decide that they were just going to dominate. Right. So I just, you know, like you said, I, you know, these quarterbacks, like Derek Carr is God, he's, he's fringe top five when he's at the top of his game. Like God, it's, and I, it's well, when you say that, Oh, it's, you were revving me up. No one I know, says but that. It's true. Mm. He's, he's so like, he is elite when he's at the top of his game. Now that might not be all 17 games of the season, like that might be why he's a seven or eight best quarterback in the NFL. But when he is on, he is elite. And that's why I like, he's, he's way better than Baker Mayfield when he's on. And that's why I will never understand. I'll never understand the Raiders fan base, even though I can't even understand the Browns fan base. I'm like, I would trade for Derek Carr tomorrow. Like it's not, it's not an issue. Right. But uh, it, it's just insane. I think fans, Fans, I do think Brady is the reason we go through this now. I think the concept of, oh, well, if you don't have the number one or number two quarterback in the NFL, what's the what's the point of even trying? I was like, I just I can't I can't get on board with that because there's you can beat those guys. And 
yeah, it might take good quarterback play, but you don't need the best quarterback in the NFL to win a Super Bowl. And it's been proven before. It's been proven for decades. Like, you don't need the best quarterback in the NFL. You just maybe needed it while Brady and Belichick were paired together. Well, how many people in our lives, so, like, I'm 28. I think you're 28, too, as well, right? You're, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, perfect. Like, people our age, there's only been maybe the Peyton Manning's, Tom Brady's, Patrick Mahomes of the world where they can elevate the players around them, the wide receivers, the tight ends, to overcome an offensive line or something like that. Where like Derek Carr, he's a guy that's been throwing to Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and he's not talented enough to get over the hump with those guys. Nobody's saying that. And that's where this is a great way to transition to something I really wanted to ask you, but like Baker Mayfield in the last several years, we, he's been throwing to an Odell Beckham Jr. that everybody is still infatuated with his damn catch over his head. So they believe that he's somehow an elite wide receiver. And then I have to ask, I have to ask for the people that listen at home that know both of us, it'd be, I'd be doing them a disservice if I didn't bring it up. (laughs) The number two guy was Jarvis Landry all this time. You have a pretty vocal, I guess, rivalry almost. You do not like Jarvis Landry. You've been insistent that he is a guy that is, he's basically a target machine. He's going to catch it and basically go down where he is. No yak whatsoever. Doesn't deserve the money. And of course, you you get to talk about here. He wanted a lot of money uh, in this little free agency cycle. I called that too. I called it. You did. (laughs) And grossly overestimated his value. So explain to us, first of all, what your rivalry is with Jarvis Landry. And again, uh, I mean, we were talking about the idea of you guys drafting a wide receiver. Is that something you think you need to do for this Browns team to be a Super Bowl threat next year? Yeah, so I'll, I'll address the second part first because it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> yeah, require as up. much time. I like that. Let's build <laughs> up. About Jarvis Landry, but I do think I think at forty four, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier. I think it I think they're at forty four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if if you know Andrew Barry, I trust him with the world when it comes to the draft. I think if there's a a quality wide receiver available, they're going off the board at forty four. Um, I, I don't think, you know. It, we don't have a whole lot of cap to play with, especially if we want to sign um, Clowney or or Will Fuller as like a secondary ride receiver, which would be great because it would allow a rookie ride receiver to develop more. But I think at 44, I wouldn't be shocked to see a receiver there. Um, I really wouldn't. I think that, you know, you can't, as we learned with Jarvis and OBJ, you can't just be satisfied with names. You got to, you know, you always got to be looking to, to, make that room a little bit better and cheaper, um, which transitions me to my love-hate relationship <laughs> with Jarvis Landry. I, again, I need, to, I need to say this before you go into it. This is not like your normal, I don't like this player relationship. David has been adamantly, and I, when I use the word, I mean adamantly anti-Jarvis Landry since the beginning. The bless him thought in Cleveland didn't have a chance to even get to like room temperature before you were already like, this guy's a bum. Please <laughs> because take it away. Look, 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 I, I hate the locker room guy narrative so much with Jarvis <laughs> Landry so much that this entire fan base heard him say bless him on HBO. 
and then just like fell in love thinking that he was leading a group of soldiers through some medal of honor scenario well and like, he was I, in that damn room and what during hard knocks doing the we're changing the culture in this room in this yeah, room and, yeah he got the fans really excited but i'm like I, i'll believe it when i see it and you know what to his credit he is a very very good teammate he really is he's a great teammate you know he keeps his mouth shut he does his job but I have the biggest love hate with him because I think the fan base overrates how much a locker room guy is worth it. Like I can get a locker room guy for 800 grand a year, not for $16 million a year. <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if he was paid appropriately, he'd probably be one of my favorite players players on the roster. Like if he was paid for his production, which is probably during his tenure here, probably like $8 million a season guy and not 15 to $16 million. Oh, a but season. he wants 20. Right. Like he wants 20. He thinks he's worth 20. But like, you know, at, at no point in his career, especially after the 110 reception in less than a thousand yard receiving season, you know, at, at no point has he ever been a 20 million dollar receiver at no point. And at, really at no point has he been like a 16, 17 million dollar receiver, which is what he was getting with the Browns. Um, and that's why I just disliked him so much. He was, you know, you talk about a guy who, and OBJ was hurt for 80% of his tenure with the Browns. You talk about a guy who was really kind of our number one receiver. And every, it felt like every time I watched him on the field, oh, the guy hasn't fumbled in three years. And then in one game, we need to win. He drops three, fourth down passes and fumbles twice. Like I, I it's just like, I couldn't rely on him. Like, it, you know, everyone loves Jarvis Landry, but like, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, give credit where it's due when he's not playing well. And and then, you know, one game a season, he has 175 yards and three touchdowns, and that's 50% of his yearly well, production. Don't forget the, like, the wide we don't want to talk pass. about, yeah, we just like everyone's like, oh, that's why we have him. That's why we pay him the big bucks. But then it's like, what about the other 16 games? Like what, what you know, he had, I think, two 1,000-yard receiving seasons here, which is which is great. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I, I love that. But like, paying, you know, paying $16 million for a guy to barely break a thousand yards. And, and again, I get, you know, I said earlier, the offense isn't designed to have a star wide receiver. I get it. Like Jarvis Landry did his job and he did it well, but not $16 million. Well, and then, you know, to your point a minute ago, like the guy comes out in free agency and I, you know, I made a joke in our, our, our fantasy football group chat saying, yeah, he probably isn't signed yet because he wants $30 million a year and he's worth eight. And then all of a sudden he fires his agent and the news breaks that he wants $20 million a year. And I'm like, oh my God, like he's beside himself. He's not like, he might, he might get $8 million a year. He, he might, that is the max I would pay Jarvis Landry, who I think is turning 29 or 30 soon and really hasn't been great. Like he just hasn't been great to the point where I'd pay him more than $8 million a season. And, and, you know, I get that, that Christian Kirk just got $18 million a season, but the, the one-off terrible move by the Jaguars does not set the market for, for bad players getting paid a boatload of money. When it's not Christian Kirk, you're getting the Juju Smith Schuster deals right now where he's like, Oh yeah, I, no, I just really want to play in Kansas City. It's got nothing to do with the fact that the market doesn't exist for slow, not being able to create after the catch wide receivers anymore. And 
you know, one thing I got to say to Jarvis and, and people like Juju, these are the guys that have really, I guess not so much Juju was hidden in Pittsburgh, but Jarvis was, he's broke the mold. He is brilliant in regards that he has not said a negative thing about the city of Cleveland. He's talked about how much he enjoys playing in a city like Cleveland, where we know people don't say that about. And then to have a flash game, like you say, where you'll drop like 150 uh, receiving yards and a couple touchdowns, or he has like one or two games a year where he throws that like 40 yard wide receiver reverse pass. And it's like, all of a sudden that's what people decide to remember is Jarvis Landry and not the other 40 plays of offense in a game. So, you know, I just love hearing this out of you, first of all, but no, it's, it's, it's just so like, it's so goofy. It's it Jarvis Landry. come back. You Are you prepared for that? If he comes yeah, back at the right salary, I would love that, but he's not getting what he wants. He's not getting half of what he wants. Like he's not getting $10 million a year with the Browns. He <laughs> might get five to seven. Like we just don't have, we don't even have the capability to pay him eight per year, knowing what he's produced so far. Like we might as well just go get a wide receiver in the draft, pay him $2 million for two seasons and call it a day. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us to, you can replace Jarvis Landry's production the last two years in the draft. You really can. And, you know, I, I, I have a reputation for hating Jarvis Landry, but I hate him because he gets paid way too much to do way too little. And that's, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. Because I, you know, three years ago, I was sitting there thinking, okay, how do we pay Baker? How do we pay Ward? How do we pay Garrett? How do we pay Chubb? How do we pay Batonio? How do we pay, like, how do we pay the cornerstones of our team before we, you know, pay these two wide receivers who get 500 yards a season and, you know, we just love for the lore. But, you know, I will say Jarvis Landry is a fantastic teammate, a fantastic player for a locker room. He is, even though I, sh I, I shit on the locker room guy persona. He's a fantastic guy for that locker room. He's a fantastic teammate. He, he truly is. He truly is phenomenal to to pay he's a receiver who's not gonna who's not gonna go out in the media and be a prima donna you know he's great he's great in that aspect but he's not great on the football field and you know you mentioned it earlier he's he's not great at any one thing he's very good at a lot of different things but there's nothing there that screams you know he's not Tyree Kill elite speed he's, he's an not, above average too Right. He's, he's not right. You know, you're exactly correct, but he's not, he doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite route mm -hmm. running. He doesn't have elite hands. He doesn't have like, there's nothing that screams elite pay him 20 million. There's just, Oh, he's a very, very good utility slot receiver who I'd love to have on my team for the right price. Like that's, that's just what he is. And that's, I hope he, you know, I feel bad for his agent, but I hope somebody in his camp can convince him of the fact that you aren't a $20 million receiver in this market. You're just not. It's really one of the two, or I guess one of the few positions that has really suffered from the uh, last year, the cap falling down. Why receivers have not really reset the market. I mean, Christian Kirk jokes aside is really one of the only people have made out at that position and the fact that you got to see Juju Smith-Schuster, who's, I want to say 25 or 26, it's off the top of my head, but if he's not getting $8 million a year and he's got a very similar skill set, 
Yeah. What makes you at 29? I think he's going to be 30 by the time the season starts and turn 30 yeah. in the season. You can't pay him that. 20 million? I, it's, 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 it's only something a franchise like, you know, the 2016 Browns would do because you just need, you need talent. And if nobody's coming to you, you might as well overpay for it for three years until you build up the team like the Browns did. I mean, like Jarvis Landry and OBJ were very much great, phenomenal signings and trades at the time they happened because the Browns were awful. They were awful. They needed big names who, you know, even if they didn't want to be there like OBJ, they said they wanted to be there. They needed guys to just change the mindset about Cleveland. And and that's that's the only way, you know – the Jaguars just did it with Christian Kirk, but that's the only mm-hmm. way you're getting that kind of salary as that player. Like you're just not, you know, you're going to go to a losing team. You're never going to play on a winning team at that salary at your caliber of, of skill. And, you know, it's, it is what it is, but it, it to, to your point, it's just, you're just not, you're not getting that money. And, and Juju Smith Schuster is honestly, he might even be younger than that. Didn't he, he might come into be. the league at like 19 years old or something? Like, wasn't he one of the super young ones? Yeah. Um, by the time I think he played his first game, he was either like early 20s or very late 19. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, he might even be younger. And at that point, I, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster showed that when he's not the number one receiver in the offense, he is very good. He is very good. And, you know, some of that can be attributed to Big Ben. But, like, I, I just don't know. You know, you don't you don't do what he did three years ago just by being, you know, the guy who didn't get as much attention as Antonio Brown, right? Like you, you have to be good. There's talent there. And I think he actually could be very, very good in Kansas city because he's not going to get the kind of attention that he got in Pittsburgh. And, you know, he doesn't have Tyree kill to take all the attention away, but there's so many weapons that offense that you can't get double teams. You can't get trapped. You can't get, you know, it's, it's literally going to be him following his routes and doing them well. And he'll do, I think he'll do exceptionally better, but I, I don't know. I, I get like, I, I have this, you know, to go back to the point, I have this love hate relationship with Jarvis Landry and it all comes down to his salary. It just all comes down to his salary. It's, it's insane. I'm, I, I'm thrilled you got to talk about that though. Cause if, again, if I didn't bring that up, I would have been hearing about it for a long time. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and, and for right, and for good reason, because I, I would deserve it. But without uh, – I guess we won't keep you too, too much longer, but before we send you out if you're on your way, AFC North, how is it going to play out next year? I know it's way early. Free agency is still – you know, it's probably about half the guys are still out there, the top 100. You have the NFL draft coming next month. But how do you think the AFC North plays out, and can you give me – a Super Bowl matchup and winner, if you do not mind. So, you know, everything points to the Bengals and the AFC North, right? Like every the Bengals Super Bowl appearance, but you know, they didn't get it done. But at the same time, they heavily improved on their only huge weakness, right? They're like mm-hmm. clearly their biggest weakness was offensive line. They improved on it. So all the signs point to the Bengals winning the AFC North. I think that that's probably true if Deshaun Watson does uh, get suspended. Yeah. However, if Deshaun Watson plays all 17 games, I think it's the Browns division to lose. And I say that solely because even last year, like even the year before that, the Browns are something like six and oh against the Bengals the last three seasons, five and one, maybe like for some reason, Baker Mayfield had Joe Burrow's number. 
And I don't understand it. Maybe it's just Stefanski knows how to coach against Zach Taylor. Maybe it's just circumstance. But I think that if Deshaun Watson plays all 17 games, it's the Browns division to lose. That being said, I don't I don't think he plays any games. I think he's suspended the whole season. So I think the division looks something like the Bengals first, the Ravens second, and then it's going to be whoever has the best backup quarterback in the NFL, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I, it's going to be whoever – because because realistically, the Browns and the Steelers have a similar – skill set defensively skill set offensively like they're talented everywhere but like it's going to be whoever whichever quarterback plays better as a starter Brissett or Trubisky and that'll be who's third place and fourth place will be the the loser of that battle um in terms of Super Bowl matchup all I know for sure is that I'm confident to say that an AFC team is going to win the Super Bowl this year and that's all I really know um if I had to, if I had to put a bet out there, it would probably be, it would, it would either be the 49ers or the Rams from the NFC. And it would be probably because solely, solely because they have the best quarterback in the NFL, it would probably be either the chiefs or maybe the Bengals or the bills, but I would probably bet on the chiefs only because I'm betting on the quarterback. That's it. That's that's I don't, I have no idea what the AFC is going to pan out because obviously it's way too early. I don't know what injuries are going to look like, but if we're just betting on on teams, I bet on quarterbacks all day long and and I, I'll bet on Patrick Mahomes every day of the week. And good for you for doing that, too, because so many people are falling into the trap right now of saying that Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback that just so happened to have the greatest what plethora of talent around them is if he had nothing to do with it. Right. I mean, mean, Andy Reid never won a Super Bowl until they had Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill was a a late round pick because of his own legal issues before Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey has had his best seasons under Patrick Mahomes. It's frustrating to see that people have kind of just written him off. And with not only Juju, but with MVS coming in too, I, I really danced on Tyreek Hill's grave a few days ago, and it was just more or less that he wasn't going to be Tyreek Hill. Good I hate for Tyreek Hill so much. I, it's like, I here's the thing, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to, to, to talk over on your podcast. You know, I, I don't mean to be rude. But my thing is, is if Andy Reid retired or died or left for another team, I'd be much more severely concerned about Patrick Mahomes play than than his speed receiver who got shut down in 85% of the games this year, leaving the team, like having, having, you know, MVS out there is going not, it's nothing's going to match the Tyree kill threat to go long, but having the speed receiver, that's going to run, you know, sprint routes, going to run wind sprints while uh, Travis Kelsey gets open underneath while Juju gets open underneath that's more valuable than having the big name, the fastest player in the NFL. Like I don't, it's not to be understated. They're they're definitely going to hurt at times without Tyree kill. Like they definitely had a lot of big plays where Tyree kill changed the momentum of a game, but Patrick Mahomes is going to make it work. And I don't think like, I, I don't, I think there were maybe three games last year. I can remember where Tyree kill actually played like a game changing receiver. And 
I think it's because the teams that that happened against had literally no answer for speed and talent at the wide receiver position. Like I, I think I watched a lot of teams make Tyree kill look not bad, but just irrelevant. And it, it wasn't because Darrell Revis was, was covering him. It was because they just said, okay, shade these safeties over to this, you know, this side of the field, we'll take him out of play. We'll worry about Travis Kelsey underneath. And then what, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to gain short yardage plays, which they did all year, but like, I just don't, I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to affect their win column as much as a lot of these people think they're going to affect the win column. Like I think the chiefs are still the team to beat in that division. Um, even though God bless Raiders fans, but that division uh-huh. is a, that's like the nightmare. And then nightmare number two is like the AFC North, which now has three elite quarterbacks. And it's like, I, I just like, why did we have to all come to the AFC? Can't we go somewhere else? Like, can we, can we just move somewhere else? Like, can I move the Browns to the NFC anywhere? Like, give me like, let's trade Browns for Eagles, Browns for Redskins or, or commanders. Like, give me something like, let me, let me be happy for the first time and not have like, we, we have this quarterback now who again, 50, 50 on, but like, Oh, now we have a top five quarterback in the NFL, but so does every other team in the NFC. Like what, what are we doing? No, it, oh my God. Well, and it makes sense too that I always wonder about, of course, Tom Brady's in love with the game of football, but to see everything that's going on in the AFC and all he's going to feasibly have to do is win a couple games in a very, at least weaker NFC just to go up against one AFC team. There's a real path now for another ring for Tom Brady. But I, I, speaking of Tom Brady, his former team and the Tyreek Hill stuff, the Patriots, what they did to help their dynasty last so long was sell early on guys. And Tyreek Hill is that same kind of player that you mentioned. There were a lot of times last year, it seemed like the NFL finally figured out how to slow up or take away Tyreek Hill. Why not send him away now? And now you bring in Marquez Valdez, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster there's a very good chance that the Chiefs offense looks more like 2020 Kansas City than 2021 next year. And that's terrifying. Agreed. But hey, I want to give you an opportunity here before we send you on your way. Is there anything else you want to bring up today? You want to plug, story you want to tell, another stray random shot at the Steelers like you threw in there a few minutes ago? Anything you want? No, you know what? I've, I've, I think the big things that, that I was expecting to touch on were Watson and, and Jarvis. Um, you know what I will say? The Browns, the Browns draft, the one, you know, my, my surprise that I think people aren't ready for is I, I wouldn't be shocked at 44 to see, you know, it's a, it, again, it's, I said it earlier, Andrew Barry's the best available player kind of guy. I trust him with my heart in the draft, but I wouldn't be shocked at 44 to see a cornerback because I don't know the likelihood we're going to be able to pay Denzel Ward. I I really don't. So the way the cap situation looks right now is we have, you know, we have enough to pay maybe one big player like, like Clowney and then maybe pay a, a small time. I don't want to say small time because Will Fuller's not small time, but like a, a, a medium sized salary. We have enough for that, but let's say we get Clowney and we don't get Fuller or the opposite. We have, 
We're probably going to go into the draft trying to fill those needs, and then we're going to have rollover cap in the next year. Well, that rollover cap is great, but next year right now without rollover cap, we have something like $8 million in cap space. And so you're, you're looking for that rollover cap because it, it kind of doubles with the way the NFL system works. So you're probably looking at like $15, $20 million in cap space next year. But then after next year, you know, you have a boatload of cap space. And, and I understand like, oh, you know, that's the reason we can pay Ward. We can back end it. But like, are you really going to pay Denzel Ward a boatload of money? Like, I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what Aaron, what Andrew Barry's thinking, right? Because in 2024, if this, if this Deshaun Watson experiment doesn't work out in years two and three, like if, we, if they don't come close to a Super Bowl, this is, I don't know what the Browns do because the Browns, I think right now in 2024 and 2025 have maybe six players on salary. Like wow. everyone after next year, everyone is up for a contract except for Miles Garrett, Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, um, our two guards, and uh, I think John Johnson. I think those are the six players who are on salary through 2025. So, like, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked. This is the only thing I'm saying. I wouldn't be shocked to see a corner early because I don't know. You know, maybe we paid Denzel Ward because of that, but I also wouldn't be shocked to see us not pay Denzel Ward, seeing how Newsom played, seeing how JOK played, you know, what are you is is Denzel Ward so good that you're going to pay him and not Newsom, or is Newsom so good that you're going to let Ward walk and you're going to pay Newsom and then draft a young corner so that when Newsom's up, you can pay your young corner. So like, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that people aren't expecting. It's going to always be best player available, but I wouldn't be shocked to see receiver or cornerback at at 44. Really wouldn't. Well. Well, I tell you what, too, Newsom was the the last draft in general, Cleveland draft, getting Newsom and then JOK back to back was the most quintessential Andrew Barry kind of dropped out there, best available. And to your point, if you have to move on from Denzel Ward, the reviews, not only just like the film study, but in that locker room, Newsom sounds like he's one of those dudes. He's a CB1. He's that guy a guy mm-hmm. that wants to be matched up with your best player. And there's certain positions, like a lot of times I feel like confidence can be a little tough on a football field, but you need it for that defensive back, that cornerback position. Oh, yeah. We saw it with what Trayvon Diggs last year. He's not that great of a corner, but being Arguably to, the worst in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, it's he's the word or the phrase feast or famine was created oh, yeah. for him. It's, He's going to allow six catches, 185 yards, two touchdowns. But shit, you know what? You're going to probably, you might get a pick in there. You might get a pick six, couple big plays on third down. You just got to live with the, the results of a guy like that. So, I, I mean, I, I give you to your point. Yeah, we'll see what goes on with Denzel Ward. I, I don't have too much else to add for you. Again, anything else you want to plug, story, anything else you're up? Nope, you're good. No, I'm good, man. I, I just appreciate being on here and getting to to talk the Cleveland Browns with you, good or for bad. Well, and I tell you, Stephen wanted to be here. We'll get him on next time you're on. I'm sure, whether it be over the summer, during the season or whatever. But again, David, thanks so much for coming out. We'll definitely have you back on again. And good luck to your Cleveland Browns this fall. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me.
Awesome again. Really happy that David Clavin was able to come on. Great interview. Steven's excited too. Wally, to meet you. Just Wally, great job. I just forgot how, how great you were at, at doing interviews at our time at OMS. I mean, my God. Stop pumping my tires. You're fine. <laughs> You're too nice to me. Stop. Again, they look, I can't, they, I can't they take just look flat, so I had to pump them. I appreciate it. I, I can't take a compliment well, so I'll just move on. So other news here. Tate, or, gosh, now I'm mixing podcasts. But Steven. What are you thinking? What the fuck about? is that? No, no, no. Yeah, I think we have something to talk about. Hey, I, I don't know what you want. That hurts. It sure that hurts. Hey, hey, you mentioned uh, Big Ten earlier. Now it's on the brain, so I, I can't help you there. But a couple things here. We'll just speed round. Let's go Detroit, first of all. Talk about some interesting news. They have finally some good news for Detroit. They not only get awarded the 2024 NFL Draft, which I know a lot of people are low on. I'll tell you why I'm happy after I throw it over to you. But then, of course, <laughs> then, of course, uh, we have the hard knocks. You know, I'm tired of hard knocks it's played out. But if your team sucks and you have nothing to look forward to and you're trying to find a reason to have hope, at least you have that. What did you make of these big day for Detroit on Tuesday? It was Tuesday, right? Yeah, on Tuesday. It was one of those days. And it's, it's awesome, like, they're typically really bad teams, but they have something going for them that were like, okay, we want the insight. You know, if you think about it, you got the Baker, the Baker Mayfield rookie year coming as the number one pick, and they had the Browns. You got the Dallas Cowboys, which they just sell themselves. We all know that. It's Cincinnati a few years ago. It's San Fran here a few. It's it, they're fun to watch, but they always and I don't believe in this whole hard knocks curse. That it's absolute bullshit. Jared Goff his rookie year, I believe, in or first year in LA, they did the hard knocks as well. This is gonna be fun. Dan Campbell is gold. And we're going to have him uncensored, unfiltered, raw, uncut. Feels like I'm selling a Dan Campbell porn. Just just the kneecaps getting ripped. I can just, oh, I cannot wait. Just That dude makes you want to run through a brick wall on like Wednesday at like 9.30 just catching one of his press conference or like the clips that you see on Twitter. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's Jared Goss going to be on it for the second time. You have, you have the entertaining – Jamal Williams, he's going to be – he's the second running back behind DeAndre Swift. He's an ex-Packer, an absolute goober. The dude's just always happy. If you if you guys don't know who he is, go look up some of his interviews as well. He is super weird, hilarious. I would, I would even say weird. He's just – he speaks his mind. Heart on the sleeve. Love the dude. Was she still, was she still in the green and gold? But I, at least I get to see him play twice a year against Green Bay and – Hopefully not demolish them. I'm excited, though. Detroit needs this, especially after watching Eminem and Matt Stafford in L.A. at the Super Bowl and Matt Stafford win it. Detroit's like, where that? what the hell? We just got to get stuck here with Kid Rock? You got hard knocks now, baby. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I'm Wait, do you think it's going to be a Kid Rock uh, song as their intro? Uh, God, who knows? I really don't. I found it. Bound a bang, the bang, diggy, diggy. It could be Eminem, too. I mean, he's kind of like the son of Detroit. So I don't know. Maybe you start with like a lose yourself or something to that effect. But I think that the draft is what got my like needle moved a little bit just because I'm obviously going all the time. I know that from the glitz and glam, it feels a little weird because now that the draft has started traveling around, we've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in Philadelphia, Dallas, Nashville, now about to be Vegas, Cleveland. Cleveland's more in that camp. I, I'm not knocking Cleveland. But Detroit, I'm so excited to get up there just because 
this is a fan base that's so hungry for success that doesn't see it. And they feel like this is a very rare opportunity that they can show that Detroit is a city that they are proud of. And when you do go to these places where fans like cherish the draft, it's different. In Cleveland last year, it was different. And that was with COVID. I feel bad they got robbed of a real opportunity to show how fanatical they can be. Detroit's going to have that chance, and I think they're going to show out. You're going to see that damn guy with the motor on his head. It's going to just be a wave of Hawaiian blue. I'm really excited, genuinely excited to go to Detroit. Honolulu blue. Oh, that's the same. It's probably going to get canceled right. in Hawaii. That's not good. All right, Butts and Brock, remember this. It's it's all the same. It's right. Hawaii. No, I- Honolulu, Hawaii, they're, they're, the, they're the same. I mean, come on. Yeah, just like Pittsburgh and uh, well, Pittsburgh well, and, and Philadelphia. I knew it was coming. Way. I knew you were going to do that to me. Uh, uh, oh, come on. Don't get gloomy on here. Like the weather. Just <laughs> just wait 15 minutes. It's going to change. We're in I hate you so much. I know you do. Now, the Bills, now they have, they have just launched plans to build a new stadium for $1.4 billion, $850 million comes from taxpayer money. God, talk about, I'd be happy paying taxes at that point. Like, oh, let's go to the stadium, but I should have my own seat in there, right? Why am I paying for tickets if you're taking, yeah, okay. Now I understand why people are mad. I just talked myself in here. It will be an outdoor stadium. I know that we were talking a little bit off camera that you were surprised that it wasn't going to be a dome. Happily surprised. Well, you got Buffalo. They got the double lake effect up there in Buffalo. It's an absolute shit show when it's up there in the winter, which makes those games even better. What do you think about the new, I want to say, 62,000 capacity stadium that they're building up there in Buffalo? From the renderings, it looks gorgeous, or at least from the renderings that I've seen. I know nothing's set in stone because it's probably four years away from actually being up. I am very excited for Buffalo that there's not going to ever be that, like, risk of losing the team when owners hold it over their head yeah again it sucks that taxpayers have to pay the money 850 out of a 1.4 billion dollar stadium is a lot of money on taxpayers in a state that already pays a lot of taxes but if it was a question of does buffalo lose the team or do they pay to have or like taxpayers pay to have the stadium i'm sure that they'll probably be happy so i won't harp too long because again nobody wants to hear that we all know that the billionaires are billionaires for a reason because they're probably scumbags they whatever the outdoor factor is good i love that it's outdoors we said before like you can you imagine what vince lombardi would be doing if he ever caught wind of an idea of like lambeau field getting a retractable roof he'd wake up from the dead and come fight people yeah it's it's taking away great games like the ice bowl there in 67 when it was like net with wind chills, like negative, I want to say like 29 or 30. And it takes away those games, which yeah, I get it. Those games suck. And I'm sure that Buffalo would have liked to see at least a retractable roof because when you have those retractable roofs up there in the North Northeast, wherever there's a lot of snow, that does not matter. The big thing is now all of a sudden you can open up yourself to potentially be a Super Bowl host, right? We saw what it was like in MetLife when Peyton got shellacked, shellacked, Jesus by the Seattle Seahawks there in 2013 and they're not really going back. There's st- now they're in Tampa. They're in LA. They're in Arizona this year. I think it'd be nice to see more games being played up there, but you're going to need a dome. So from that aspect, that, that kind of sucks for the city. 
But overall, the, the snow games are the best. I would love to personally go to one just to say that I did. I wouldn't want to consistently go to those games. But up in Buffalo, breaking, we're breaking tables, we're we're eating wings and whatever other foods out there, smoking, grilling, cooking, whatever it may be. This is going to be a fun stadium. I cannot wait to go watch a game because I will be going up this year in the old stadium to watch the Packers-Bills action. So I'm only excited because the new NFL stadiums now, the last couple have been pretty sick, if you ask me. So I'm excited to see what this is going to be bringing to the table. And you're definitely going to see more domes traditionally being made now, too, for the reasons you said. They want that Super Bowl revenue. They want to be able to use these stadiums throughout the year. There's a few teams, though, that I just think that it's a cardinal sin. We talked about the Packers, the Bills. I'd even put the Patriots and the Chiefs in that mix. Maybe even the Browns. Like you do not the Pittsburgh. Like these are the blue collar cities that are so ingrained and entrenched in what that toughness, that grit. So this, I, I like it for these. I, I know eventually it's going to get played out. I just am going to drag my feet as long as I can, being the old man in my heart. That I, I love the outdoor games. Like you said, it's like as much as it Legendary. hurts me, they are. Like if the tuck rule happens and it's not in the middle of the snow, do we talk about it nearly as much? Not a chance in hell. Nope. Not a chance. That's why there is something to be said about the the novelty of it for a place like Buffalo. For them, I'm very, very happy they kept it outdoors. All right, how about this? We talk one last thing. We'll set everybody on their way. OT rules. Finally, coin flips. Uh, I guess everybody's getting the ball now in overtime the playoffs, but not in a regular season? Talk me through that. Yeah, it's so let me get a let me throw a precursor on here because I sent the I sent the tweet out the quote sheet about Roger Goodell saying, oh, we listen to our fans. That's what that's what that is what is important. Lies. You're a fucking liar, Roger Goodell. You know why it's not important? Because of this decision, this rule change epitomizes your whole tenure as an NFL commissioner. You cannot make a decision and stick to it because when you make the decision, it's consistently wrong. If it's that, if it's rule changes, if it's suspensions, whatever it may be. Oh, well, we listen to our fans. Cool. Yeah. I remember when you changed the OT rules originally to where if a, a field goal only extends the game, because back in the day, you, you score, you win. Doesn't matter. You get it. You go down and kick a field 50 yard field goal out of Vanitary saves your ass. Boom. You win that game. Not now you get you had that opportunity to go back and score a touchdown or tie it with another field goal to extend the game. Now they're getting it. The this dude can't fucking get it right. Keep it in the regular season. Stop making ties a thing. Ties are the most un-American thing ever. Holy shit! No, we we don't tie. Keep that in the regular season. Keep that in the postseason, obviously. But in, I think it'd be better if the the OT rules we have now. That's the regular season. And obviously, in the playoffs, it's going to be almost like a sudden death. But I want that more of a college experience there in the playoffs. Give me that sudden death. Kick the fucking – take the kickers out. I don't know about a two-point. I like the extra point because they're just – it's so prevalent that they're going to miss now because there's been the, – the miss – the percentages of misses have just been going up since they extended the length of the PAT. They've tightened up what the goalposts are looking like. But I think that should be going back and forth – Put them on like the put them on like the fifty, make them play. No kickoffs. Make them play there in the playoffs. But you know it. 
It is good. I like the rule. At the end of the day, I do like the rule. It's in the right direction. But Roger Goodell, this is where my challenge flag is coming in. It's been a few episodes since we've thrown it. But don't tell me you listen to the fans when you fuck up a rule and then you change it six years later. Oh, we listen to the fans. No, you don't, because you still didn't really get it that right. And you're just going to change it here in another five or six years and then say, oh, we listen to our fans. You just cannot make a decision and stick to it. He's just aggravating. I know you have a soft spot for him now because you shook his hand a couple times last year. Oh, best friends. You're you're such a cuck, but docs, hey, I just, I, there's my rant. All right, devil's advocate, though. They last postseason, as long as I'm not forgetting, the, the, the two overtime games everybody's remembering is the Buffalo Bills-Kansas City Chief game. That's a perfect of example of this, where the team that scores first, they win, it's over. But the very following week, the Bengals go to Arrowhead, lose the toss, and the Chiefs throw a pick and the Bengals go down to win. After getting a stop to force overtime, my, I guess, argument is that maybe they did listen to fans. If they've gone 10-2 and two since the rule changes happened, it would be very weird that they're going to sit behind the analytics and other things when they're now 10-2 and two in the postseason opposed to 9-1. and one. If they were going to make the change, do it last year. I think that they might have actually listened to fans for once. That's, I mean, even if they did, it's it's a very, I mean, it's a soft change. It's not like the end of the world. Like, people aren't going to be like, sweet, the NFL's back. They listen to us. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, okay, maybe he, you know, like I just went on my rant, maybe this is the year that they actually are going to put that into accountability. They're also going to ask people around, let's watch the millions of people who watch it. That, granted, not all of them are going to have, are going to be, educated to the game to their extent none of them are and if you are you're in the fucking nfl or in any any of those organizations and i get that but don't sit here and say it's all for the fans all for this and it takes you this long to do it listen to the fans more often because you know what that's what's going to get the money up and you know what i'm sure the whole gambling thing people are listening people you are listening to the fans probably for the past 70 years about the gambling you know what oh now it's legal let's get into it and all of a sudden your viewership went up wonder why your money went up wonder why this is what happens when you listen and this is only going to make the game better i now to your point i wish they did extend it into the regular season because ties are ties are whack unless you take bet on the tie which is actually really fun i might i might be looking into doing that this year but get the ties out come on let's let's just make the sudden death overtime happen no matter what any given sunday thursday monday friday saturday whatever they're fucking playing let's do it Step in the right direction, though, and I love it. Fair enough. I got nothing to add. With that, that is the end of our first full-length video episode. I love it. Shout-out to Wally, of course, for doing basically everything. Um, I'm just here to talk football like an hour and a half every couple of weeks, and then I just leave him for two weeks. So <laughs> make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have Facebook and Instagram, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss, as well as YouTube. And if you follow here, I'll make this easy. If you follow Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm posting links to get you to that page. Expect the video episodes to come out after the audio episode because what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing those first. Right after that, I'll be uploading clips to YouTube, the social medias, and of course, eventually, maybe the day after, but you are going to be seeing the videos, full-length videos up on YouTube if you prefer to watch that way. But again, Appreciate you guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Growth time. It's growth. He is Wally the Goat Lukashinsky. I'm Steven the Bum Weed. Until next time, we are Lost and Down. And we can't wait to get more of these interviews up for you guys. Love you, Derek Carr. Happy birthday. 
You are such a little bitch. Is it his birthday? It was a couple days ago. You know, I, I did. I totally forgot to mention that the only good thing I had on my bracket was I had St. Petersburg in my Sweet 16. Oh. Wait, you had St. Pe- Petersburg, you call oh, it? St. Peter's. St. Peter's.